So just hold it down for the underground, and I'll get here when I get here. Yeah, for sure. You like that reference, David? Dave, Dalton didn't even well, get it. Well, David, can you make it that Saturday so you come with me and we could do the party prep and pre-drink? Um, He's got to go to the beach. Let me check my schedule. <laughs> yeah, can you check your schedule right now? I'm the only one that goes to the beach? That is not true. Dalton, bro. Done with beaches. Okay, you may be done, but <laughs> ask, me, ask me how my beach trip went. How was your beach trip? Dude, I went paddle boarding. Wow. How was that? So What's- much fun. When you say paddle boarding, is that the like the wide, wide, long surfboard? And yeah. You, so it's a. Uh, it's. Uh, I was thinking a canoe for some reason. No, that's that would be canoeing. Um. So paddle uh, boarding is so it's essentially like a, a long surfboard, and you can like stand up on it and you paddle, or you can be on your knees, okay, paddle, okay. Or, or sit down. I immediately fell in. Like the second I tried to it's stand hard. up, it's hard. It's hard. I've done it once. I did it in, uh, not Cabo, Cancun. Yeah. Did it in Cancun, and I couldn't do it for the life of me so i just went into the water and just why are you so bad at water things um except for water polo dog fucking kill it i mean splashing and dashing baby but when we did it in mexico i tried to paddleboard my way through everything but jerry was really good on it which was jessica's mom she was really good at it she did it for like an hour but I, i just couldn't keep the balance going did you try like sitting down like on your knees or sitting on your butt and paddling or did you exclusively try to stand up? I exclusively tried to stand up because I problem. didn't want to be a baby. Bro, no. Because everyone else was standing up, and I was like, I'm not going to be the only person that sits down trying to figure this out myself. Hell no, bro. I was on my fucking knees paddling my way through everything. But yeah, dude, paddleboarding is so much fun. Would you be down to paddleboard at night? Again, I don't know how to paddleboard, but I talked to Mo already, and we both agreed that we're going to do um, this one. What's this one called? Sea Dews? No, no, no. The, 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 sea dudes. Jet skis. Jet skis. Get your group on, and then you can come with me and Rachel, because we have one of those for San Diego. Well, we want all of us to do it together. Can oh, we all go as bro, one? Bro, you go with Monique, I'll find someone. Get your... Me and Mo can go do it. Get your Groupons. <laughs> <laughs> get your and Groupons today. Get your Groupons. Hey, I just bought a Groupon for this bomb-ass intro. David, roll it. David, get on your fucking shit. Dude, we've literally had 40 weeks of this. Oh you think it'd be queued up by now? Is it really that hard to be a producer? David always starts it like two seconds early. Yeah. Like I never he, get the full thing. Yeah, yeah. He never wants us to... He doesn't want everyone to hear how much he sucks at his job. I'm drum. I'm drummer. God, how great is that song, guys? How great is that song? I think we did a great job for for that first pick. I yeah, love, yeah, I we, freaking we, love our intro. We had to sing our hearts out. I do love our intro. It's it's so good. It's so good. So good. Okay. All right, welcome back, everybody. Week 40. 40, guys. This is the big 4-0. This is the age that I'm going to be when I am an international rock star, okay? There we go. I'm going to be singing my heart out, singing Looney Tunes tunes. You'll be singing some numbers? And I'm going to travel the world for it, okay? you some numbers? Yeah, the whole... You know, I'm going to be doing that the whole way through in- through internationals, that place. Hell yeah. The big 4-0, guys. We got four, listen to this, times three, oh, 12. Oh, all right. Times two. Mm-hmm. 24 yep right plus eight 32 right <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> plus eight 40 guys 
Ooh, multiplication. All right. And as always, we're your hosts. I'm Drum. And I'm Drummer. And this is a podcast about brotherhood. And the three S's in life. Stories. Self-improvement. And the supernatural. All right. Man, those are the best S's I've ever freaking heard. I'm there trying not go. to cuss. Why'd you say f- why? Why? Um, well, I noticed that when I talk and I get excited, I tend to be aggressive. And I approach people at a, like not negatively. I just say fuck when it doesn't when it's not needed. I want my cuss words to mean something. So when I cuss you out or when I cuss at somebody, it's like, oh, Dalton used a bad word. That means he's mad at me. Wait, he's so, mad, mad. So right now, when you cuss, it just means that you're excited. I'm just having conversations. Yeah. So you're just always excited to see me, or what? No, I'm, I get excited to see you. I get more excited to see David. I get even more excited to see Maggie, our dog. She she lights she's a lot of my world. Yeah. Um, but do you have that actually? Like when you get excited, like when I go to parties, I get like a high and I get so excited that I can't like stay in one place for the at least the first hour and a half. I'm just talking to everybody and I go from group to group to group to group or whatever it is, and I just go and I hang out and then I drink too much, then I have even better time. Yeah. No, right? I'm, I'm the same way. But I, I wanna go back to I want to go back to cousin because we've talked about our party habits already. What? So Dave and I were talking what? earlier, actually. <laughs> what? <laughs> so at what point? Okay, so let me ask you. Something. So I went to a a school where it was frowned upon for cussing. Mind you, I went there. Literally, I have a friend. His name is Brendan. The second word he ever heard me say after my introduction was shit. Like I did not change when I went to that college. I've always been myself, and I've always cussed i've always had a hard time not cussing because things just feel like that to me like things don't feel like oh man that's awesome no like it literally feels like oh that's fucking awesome like it just it feels like that's how i feel right but what is the difference from using the word fuck or shit or uh, insert cuss word or frick (laughs) or frick exactly (laughs) like i'll hear people say that oh you shouldn't cuss you should use this word instead why is it the is it the stigma that comes with that word? Because I'm literally saying this. Like for instance, I always tell this story. We talk a lot on this podcast about our cousin Caleb. Okay? Yeah, he has a younger brother who's also our cousin. We love dearly. I know uh, Caleb doesn't get a shouty touty because he thinks I like rope my nose aggressively when I pull out boogers, and I don't. When you pick your nose, yeah. Because you pick your nose. I you- did, I did, and I did, and I'm not afraid to admit it. I'm just saying. He I'm just ugly didn't have to I'm come proud. at me like that. <laughs> he didn't have to say it like that. And I am going to fight him next time I see him. Okay. So Caleb's younger brother's name is Jared. Jared. And I'll never forget. Shouty tally Jared. Shouty tally Jared. I'll never forget. There was one time I made him mad when he was younger. He had to have been like four. And he turned around and he looked at me and his little fists were all clenched <laughs> up. And he was shaking and his face was all red. And he looked at me. And I remember thinking, he's about to say the worst insult i've ever heard in my life he's about to cuss you out and he looks at me and with all his little heart he Mm. goes meanie and then runs away and like it didn't hurt because it's just meanie like all right whatever like jerry got mad that you know i didn't want him to like hang out with me or something but what's the difference between that and somebody saying fuck fuck you you know what i mean yeah because it's like at that point in time that word meanie is the meanest most intentional word that they can say so why do these cuss words get so much attention? If I just change the word to like, you know, if I decided succulent was my new F word, David, you succulent, 
you succulent head. I feel oh, kind of good about that. He got you. You know what I mean? Like, like what? what's the difference if yeah, the intent yeah. behind the word is the same? Uh-huh. No, I get you. For me, it's I don't want it to unintentionally come out when I'm doing something professionally. So when I'm when I'm finally doing cybersecurity, I don't want to be talking to my boss and be like, well, this shit fucking happened and I don't know what the fuck you want me to do about it, bro. Like, I want it. I don't want it to come out on accident. I want to be on top of my game. And so if I take it out just enough out of my normal life, it'll help with my career. You know what I mean? It's just a mindset thing is I don't want it to accidentally come out because there's times where I talk to family and I cuss and I'm like, I don't want to cuss in front of them just because I've been raised not to. But what if like that's just you? It could be. Like, like, are you going to change yourself for your job? Are you going to change yourself for, for anyone else? You know what I mean? What are we talking about? I feel like this is deeper. I think you can have some self-control. <laughs> I think that's what he's going for. So, like, when yes. he's with his boss... I feel like this I is think, going through a different direction. I think, you just, I think you just need to be aware of it. Like, when you're talking to your boss... If your boss is an uptight kind of guy, then you should be able to make that awareness known. Know your and then audience. Switch. Yeah. Know yep. your audience. Yes. But I, I think Matt's saying you don't need to. That doesn't need to be with everyone. You yeah. know. I get Just it. Just because it. you would stop cursing around him doesn't mean that you have to stop cursing around your brother and I. Yeah, sure. But, All but, right. You know what? I'm just going to keep cussing. But also, Fuck too, I, I said that because Dalton's giving me long lectures about not changing who I am for the improvement of my career. What? When the fuck do I have a conversation with you about that? Bro, like months Why do ago. I care about your career? You don't. That's why you told me to keep doing whatever I wanted to do. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. But you're talking about something different. You're talking about like putting God, restrictions. Always this shirt. Every time I wear this shirt, I spill all the alcohol on it. Then stop wearing it. You what? All the alcohol. All the alcohol. <laughs> Guys, I've been doing... Uh, so I got... Pilates? No. Have you ever done Pilates, though? It's just mm-hmm. rough. Me and Matt, we tried. So we tried yoga one time. We did. We did. So it was during summertime, and David and I were training for uh, our water polo season, and P90X was just on the market, and my parents had Is gotten Is that Pilates? It. No, no, no. It's, it's yoga, but you remember P90X? I remember P90X. Okay, so, so P90X is this workout program and it came in dvds for all you kids that are under 18 that shouldn't be listening to this podcast but you do no please listen uh, we need more listenerships it so it came in dvds which are these little discs that you put into these things that we used to call dvd players you now call them playstations and xboxes um and the workout program would come up you'd hit start you'd follow along on the television everything was great and people were having insane results this is really the also the first time that whey protein was introduced to the mass population, which really promoted the supplement industry, and you see a huge boom immediately after P90X. They've been around, but it wasn't to the mass population like it was then. So Sorry, that shit this? gets me. I had no idea. I gets me pumped. I, I stuff like that's crazy. Anyway, supplements. So we had it, and so my friends would come over, and we would do these workouts. So one day, me, David. Matt Valdez, we were all there and we ended up doing this yoga one, right? And we were like, oh, yoga, it's stretching. It like has to be easy. So we go through, we start doing everything and we are fucking dying. Yeah. Like just like everybody's sweating, shaking all over the place, having a hard time. Like it's it's literally, I thought yoga was relaxing. The first half was 
all of the hard poses the warrior pose the chair pose there's like four different types of warrior and mind poses you, we had hardwood floors so we're all like on towels and then the towels keep sliding like all over the place it's just a giant mess yeah. so finally about i think the video's what 45 minutes yeah. we get 30 minutes through and it, it's so hard all of us call it quits and i'm 90 percent sure i led the charge and i was like oh, i'm over this like fuck this right so yeah, we yeah, stop. Yeah. We didn't do the last 15 minutes, which was the entire stretching routine, and it's exactly what you think yoga should be. Wow. Yeah. Yoga's hard. That was uh, downward dog, child's pose. Oh, that was actual yoga. Yeah, we skipped all that. Nice. And the next day, I went to Matt because it was so freaking just tired and and sore and exhausting. I went up to Matt. We did some kind of weird movement. That like was working out our glutes or something like that. And I went up to Matt the next morning and I was like, Matt, my ass cheeks hurt so much from yesterday. And he just goes, <laughs> David, I'm going to need you to never tell me that again <laughs> in public. In front of people. Me too, but I don't need you to say that out loud. <laughs> That's good. I, I know that, that, uh, that yoga can can produce like some crazy ass muscles like it's yeah. insane that it's such a hard activity it's so challenging and a lot of it has to do with it's like so challenging and you have to like stabilize and and you have to use these muscles that aren't used that frequently or if they are used they're used quickly like it's not like for long durations of time so which is where you find the most strain in that is that you extend their time under tension and so it causes like this like you're just incredibly sore mm-hmm. and that was the worst experience of my life and i literally have not done p90x since that day <laughs> yeah, that, yeah that's p90x was dope though i remember doing it dad's garage a lot but so yeah. why did you want to do pilates i didn't i actually don't really know what pilates are i just always hear them that people do pilates and it just sounds like to me it sounds like they're just flipping pancakes i don't know why i think of that when they when i think of pilates just flipping pancakes because, because of the silly. word Maybe, maybe I think that's what the it's like what the noise of a pancake makes like Pilates, Pilates, Pilates. I don't know. No, <laughs> but in my head, it, it it sounds like they're just flipping pancakes in a gym. But I know there's something more to that. Wait, when have you ever been in a gym where they're flipping pancakes? I don't know what Pilates are. I I'm, that's what I think of Pilates when I hear it. It's like I just think that they're just flipping pancakes. Could you when, imagine just every workout, every movement is just like Pokemon style. Pokemon style. Yeah, every sound that the movement makes oh, yeah, sounds like, like the burpee, name of the movement. Burpee, 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 snatch, snatch, snatch. Ring roll. <laughs> Ring roll. <laughs> Muscle up. <laughs> Muscle up. <laughs> That's like the coolest thing. We should do that. Please no. I Because everybody in our gym will get way too into it. Call it the Pokemon Invitational. The Pokemon Invitational. <laughs> Where's your gym leader at? <laughs> there you go. But uh, the restrictions on like on curse. So you you use curse words just because they've become part of your vocabulary. Yeah. But what Matt was talking about was there's like this restriction on curse words. So people are like I can't use that word, but the intention is still there. They just replace it with another word. Yeah. And that's what you're saying yeah, with, like, the intention moves somewhere else. Uh-huh. That's why it's like you say frick. But we know exactly what you mean. You mean fuck. And somehow that absolves you of any kind of responsibility. Yeah, yeah. sure. And I, I was like, I, I feel like as a child, you 
don't say the curse word because like there's a consequence. When did I, when did you start cussing? I don't fucking know. My I first can't. cuss word ever, shouty touty to my mom. First time you I it from your first mom? time I ever to cuss word was my mother. Yep. I never forget I walked out of the hallway and my mom was trying to get something from on top of this bookshelf that we had and it fell and she went, Oh shit. And I looked at her. I was like, oh, Mom. She lit her eyes, she looks at me, her eyes are all big. <laughs> she's all she's like, uh, uh and I'm like, You said shit. You can't say that. You cussed, Mom. I was all mad. I heard dad say shit when he was under a truck. He's yeah. like, Oh shit. And I was like, Huh? What was that? <laughs> what does that mean? When did you start cussing? Uh, probably freshman year of high school. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I was gonna say like fifth grade. Out loud or to yourself? Um, both. I was I started cussing in like fifth grade. The only time I ever like cussed before that was when Dad was like, Dad was like, if you get mad and you're on the defensive line, and you just like, th- there's a guy that it's like, <laughs> there's a guy that's on the line. I remember because I was having a hard, do- I was having a hard day, and they put me in tackle for some reason. I don't know why, but I was, I was defensive tackle, and I couldn't get through. And the guy was calling me a bitch. He was like, "You're such a bitch. You're a little bitch." And you should go back to the line. You're a bitch. And I was like getting so frustrated. I walked to dad. I go, dad, they keep calling me a bitch. He's like, son, I'll give you permission to cuss these guys out. And I was like, (laughs) I go back to the line. (laughs) 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 I go back to the line. He goes, he goes, (laughs) I said, go ready, set. And I get down and he goes, <laughs> he looks at me and goes, he goes, You're such a little bitch. And I was like, Oh, hey, you want to fuck me? <laughs> he goes, He goes, What? And he goes, Hike. And I go and I push him and I fucking put him on his ass and I sack the quarterback. And my dad's like, What'd you say? And I was like, I said, Oh, yeah, you want to fuck me? And my dad's like, Why would you say that? And I was like, I don't know. That's okay to mind. So he didn't start, he didn't say shit after that. So I'd have to cuss him out. Yeah, I wouldn't either. <laughs> but I was like, that's like the first thing that came to mind. I was like, you want to fuck me? I'll fuck you. <laughs> that's well, so it was funny. a shit show. That makes me think of that Kevin Hart bit. When he gets the, the, the note from his from uh, oh, the yeah. teacher. Yeah. And the mom's like, you go and tell that teacher, mind you your damn business. Yeah. And he goes, my mom told me to tell you, you to mind your damn mother motherfucking business. Bitch. <laughs> I love. She ain't got no nipples. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I love that one. Speaking of teachers, do you remember? Miss Plamondon? Yeah. Shouty Towdy. Miss Plamondon. (laughs) Watch her listen to this. My boo thing. (laughs) How you doing, boo? Age is only a number. Do you remember when I was your teacher? When you were my teacher. So Dalton comes home one day, walks in the apartment, comes in kind of discouraged, and he tells me that you know he's trying to learn these things called derivatives, and I'm a business major. We take like literally elementary calculus. And so I knew what that was. I sat Dalton down, and I explained it to him as a normal human being. I explained it to him in terms that I understood, and it's how I learned it. It's how I figured it out. I understood how it worked. There's a circular pattern that you got to follow. You got to add or subtract here. Do your thing, right? I taught Dalton to it in 20 minutes, and he understood it, and he was doing problems on his own. We did his homework. He looks at me and goes, Matt, why didn't my teacher just say that? Yeah. Like, why didn't he just teach me that? And I was like, I don't know, Dalton. Like, I really wish that I do. 
I, I, I really wish that I knew. Right. Did you find the answer to that recently? I didn't. Uh, okay. but I was talking to Dave and I was telling him, I was like, I have a hard time with like people that just like use unnecessarily large words. And it, you're talking about teachers that like got their masters and their doctorates just unnecessarily using that knowledge to teach concepts to kids that don't also have all of those letters, letters after, their, after name. their name. And like a part of me understands it because it's like teachers work so hard for those letters after their last name that they like feel like it needs to mean something. And so now they're teaching at a community college, which for the record, I'm a 1000% believer in community college. I think it's a great route to go, you know? And so it's kind of like they, I feel like in their head when they get these letters, they're like, oh, this is, this means so much. And then sometimes, a lot of times, maybe it doesn't really work out. So they teach in ways that they wouldn't have wanted to be taught when they were younger. They basically start flexing on their kids. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, okay. can you imagine like a, a doctor, like these are community college kids that are there by choice or not. And they're they just trying to, to learn the concepts. And yeah. now you got this teacher coming in straight. Like, how do you, how do you picture a teacher coming in just like straight flexing on their kids? No, so I ha- so okay, so I had a teacher that she worked in uh she she worked in this pharmaceutical industry for years, really high up, but like right out of college, got this job and worked her way up, right? So she would that her examples for everything was the pharmaceutical company that she worked for. And her phrase was the pharmaceutical company, the billion dollar pharmaceutical company that I worked for. And I'd always be like, yeah, in 94, they got bought out and they're not around anymore. Like, I don't know why we're still talking about this. But, like, it's always those things where or they'll tell you, like, where they went to school. And, like, yeah, when, when I graduated from Harvard or from MIT, you know, like, it's, it's those oh, little things. You know what? There was this one thing that this dumbass bitch of a teacher would do. And you liked him and I didn't. I almost fought him and you didn't. And he would be like, you, when I was in college, I had a read these books in in like old english and he and every time it wouldn't be anything different and it would come out of nowhere he just wanted to fucking show off whatever the fuck that he could read in gibberish not like we gave a fuck about it and so i'd be sitting in class half asleep and all of a sudden he would start reading this old it's like i don't know if it was a hymn or like a classic line from a book but he would read something in old English, and it was—it just sounded like he was mumbling, like oh, like it was. I was like, "What the fuck are you saying, dude?" That would piss me off so much that, like, to get him to shut up, I would just sigh really loud, and he would just be like, he would start talking, go, oh. and he and he would stop, be like, "Is there a problem?" And I'm like, "No," and then he just keep going, and I would just keep doing it. Every time, because he did it, I swear to God, he did it twice a week, every week for like the whole year, for three hundred and whatever long fucking days it was for the whole school year. He kept doing this old English hymn that he thought he was the shit for doing for his English final, and I'm like, bro, what makes you think we need to hear that you can do that? That doesn't interest me in the least amount. Like, yeah, but that, I, oh, it makes me mad now. But like, I, I also like, like I think that like. And this goes for anybody that graduates from college. Whatever you do your senior project on, you're going to talk about for forever. Mom does not stop talking about Blockbuster and Netflix because that's what her senior project was on. And the globalization of the economy or I forget what it was, but I've heard that phrase from mom 
I literally don't even know how many times. But it's like part of me understands it because my last two senior projects, one was on Tesla and or my last three senior projects, one was on test, two were on Tesla, one was on the pet food industry. I know far more about both of those industries and industry and company than any human being that's not involved in it should. And I catch myself wanting to do that. So part of me understands it because it's like you bust your ass over these things for so long that you just have this wealth of knowledge. And because you have it, and especially if you're like me and mom, where you want to tell stories and share, that just tends to come out. But at the same time, like I have Dalton to keep me grounded where he gives me this look like I literally do not care. This is the most boring thing you've ever told me in my life. With your insurance? Uh, well, that, that's it. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I zoned that's out how you I can, yeah. petting her. I'm sorry. But yeah, so I, I think that's what it is. I don't think it's just understand your audience. I think is the big message from all of this. You know, understand what language the kids Why are going to understand. Why are we understand. talking about this? This just came up. Oh, it's just it's one of our topics? Yeah. Okay. I was like, I thought this like came out of nowhere, but this is totally cool. No one's got any vendetta against any teachers or anything no, like that? No, no. You, you learn a lot as life goes on, man. It's all about what you want to struggle. What's worth struggling for you? Exactly. Yeah. Struggle's all about it. Which leads into this week's segment. We missed it last week. We don't plan on missing it again. The book club. The first rule of book club is you don't talk about book club. Karate chop. Yeah. <laughs> all right we are still talking about the subtle art of not giving a beep frick uh, fuck nice sorry i was mid mid drink and this week we're on chapter two we missed it last week because we just had too much to talk about we had too a grind to about we had a grind but we're grind, back baby we're, but matthew what what are we not going to give a fuck about today? Explain to me what we're talking about. Chapter so, two. It's, it's not so much about what we're not going to give a fuck about. It's more that like the real problem. See, everybody's right now is just talking about, you know, how they're sad mm. and all these things. Right. But that that's not the problem. That's not the problem. Happiness is the problem. Finding happiness, you no. say? Happiness. Happiness. Is the problem. And finding happiness. You're right. You are right. I believe it. I know I'm right. So but explain. So we're gonna go ahead and toss this over to our producer D Rod, so he can give us some structure. Hey D Rod, throw it up, baby. So the point of this section of chapter two, he goes on. He tells a story about Buddha. It's this mystery story, but I don't care. Actually, that was a really good story, though. I didn't know. I was like, oh, that's how his story came to be. It's crazy. Do you, did let's let's tell it, the story. Explain it. So from what I know, this isn't the full story, but I'll give you a, a quick summary. So there was this guy, and he didn't want. It, he was he was like the the prince or like the king or something, yeah. and he didn't want his child to ever know what it's like to struggle. Yeah. So this kid lived in this palace and never saw the outside world, never saw anything, never had to ask for things, never had to like – just was pampered to the 10th max of whatever, just fucking pampered, yep. right? And one day he goes outside and he sees the world that you know is real like the real life he sees what people go through every day you know poverty he walks through the village and he's like all disguised so no one knows that he's the the prince and he just is like what is it like to struggle what is it like to to feel hardship because that's all he wanted to feel because he was given everything in his life so for like i think it was like what four years or something like Mm -hmm. that he was like stuck and he just you know slept with pigs he just 
slept in shit. He ate one peanut a day. He essentially went from like the t- from one extreme to the other. Yeah, he went yeah. from like being pampered and coddled mm-hmm. to just literally being homeless and having to like figure out where his next meal was coming from. Yeah. So he did all this and then he went back to the palace after that. So and when he found out helped. when he found out what the rest of the world was like, he got bummed out. He got super sad. Yeah. So he's like, "All right, I'm going to go live like them." Yes. And that's going to make me happy. Yes. He lived like like the rest of the world, which is very poor and very poverty-stricken, and realized after four it years, sucks. this sucks. Yeah. I don't feel happy. It is not enlightening at all. Yeah. Realized that didn't matter anyway, either. Yeah. So that's neither, neither you know, living a struggle or living with wealth, ne- neither of those made them happy, made him happy. He had to find happiness within himself. Yes. Which is when the Buddha... Well, he had no idea what to do, so he decided to sit under a tree yes. for 49 days, for 49 days until he found an answer. Mm-hmm. And that's when the Buddha became Buddha. And that is when he became Buddha. But the idea... That's such a good story. I never. I was like, oh, that's how he... Uh, that was crazy to Yeah. Me. But I the idea that. of it, and I think one of the main ideas of Buddhism is that life is suffering. Is Buddha a form of stoicism? Ooh. Um, I don't know enough about Buddhism to really say yeah yeah it, but i in in all of these lines of if you want to call it faith philosophies whatever you would like to call it there are a lot of parallels there are a lot of things that run true through all of them and i think that there's a lot that comes from stoicism that buddhism also has uh-huh. uh, but i think there are things that are incredibly different okay, as well okay just a quick question go on sorry like the idea is life is suffering which is a very dark concept but But it's the most true thing you'll ever hear and that people suffer differently Mm -hmm. yeah you know but but, i know people always compare like oh i don't have it as hard as this person does but at the end of the day your struggles are your struggles their struggles are theirs they may not be equal to each other but they're they're equal on your own terms right yeah so don't ever compare your struggle to somebody else's because you can just be going just through something just as hard but in a different way yeah you know ruben always tells me this parable if you will and it's the one where i think i love this story if you could take all of your problems in the entire world everybody in the world took their problems and they put them in a a brown paper bag you stuff them in there as many or as little as you have You, you take your problems you put them in there you crumble them up and on the count of three everybody takes their paper bags and they throw it as hard and as far as they can right so one two three Everybody throws it. And then you get to go find a new paper bag and you get to grab it and you get to pick it up and you get to open it. Yeah. And so once you go, you grab a new uh, brown paper bag, you open it and you see the problems. As soon as you open up that paper bag, you would immediately crinkle it up, close it, and you would go looking for your paper bag again. So the idea behind that is like, you know, our problems are bad, but there are people out there that have problems that we couldn't even fathom. Yeah. You know, there's still parts of the world that like like finding food is a struggle every single day. And here in America, like we have food all over the place, you know, people throw shit out and they're not done with it. And you can find something to eat. Yeah. But there's that meme where it's like there's these two circles and one is life. One is death. And life asks death like, hey, why does everybody love me? But they all hate you so much. And then death tells life like, you know, you're the you're the beautiful lie and I'm the inconvenient truth. That's kind of, you know, where it goes. And so as as dark or as morbid as it may seem that like life is suffering, the sooner we can grasp that, the sooner we can take control of it 
And the idea isn't necessarily like, you know, to, to live like the prince and live in this like life that isn't struggle or isn't we where we don't know pain, but it's more of like to know what those things are and embrace them and then choose what pains we do have or what mm-hmm. suffering we do have. Yeah. It's it's a uh, it's it, super real. And it, it prescribes to the theory that everyone is after happiness. Half happiness is ultimately the goal of anything we do yes but for some people it's so hard to be happy well the problem is you know when people don't understand something they do everything in their power to make it understandable and so with happiness that's making it a formula making it an algorithm yeah giving it a reason to be achievable when that's not necessarily the case it says happiness is not a solvable equation. Happiness is 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 not solvable, nor is it all encompassing. No, you know, it's not it, like you have to like, struggle to know what the good side is. And it's not like if once you become happy and once you find a form of happiness yeah. or one type of happiness, it's not like that blocks out everything else and you're never going to be unhappy again. Yeah, there will always be some type of suffering absolutely and and one thing that this chapter brings up is that our problems don't go away they just transform and one one thing that they brings up is that like they bring in the two extremes right so they bring in they say that the homeless person has money problems that's why you know one of the reasons he is where he is but warren buffett also has money problems just that Warren Buffett's money problems are much better problems than the homeless person's problems. Yeah. You know? So it's this idea of people, we often think I'm guilty of it too, where it's like, if I could just solve this one thing, if I could figure this one thing out, everything would be easier. Everything would be easier. Yeah. Yeah. And then I figure that one thing out. And then, and then there's this new thing that I got to figure there's out. There's 30 more problems within that one. And the idea that this chapter brings up is that happiness comes in the solving of these problems. You know, so so like that's super, super important. But our problems just transform. So we talked about this and I think we have different ways of being happy or finding happiness. Like for me, I find it easier to find the light of things throughout the whole day. And like everything that I do is like finding light of things. But you take time to think about the reasons why you're happy. And like why these things happen and why you feel this way when I'm just like, no, I feel happy now and there's no reason why I should be feeling happy later. So like what is your form of thinking when you like are just like down to the dumps, you had a rough day, but like how do you get yourself out of that? Um, Because you're struggling. So it's basically like you're struggling throughout the day. Mm-hmm. What's what's your point of being like, uh, I got to get out. I got to I got to find a way to just. I think a lot of it comes with um, I don't know. It, it's a chapter in this book. But it comes from, like, setting my standard for the day. For me, it's a lot of, you know, I wake up and just nothing goes right. Everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. I forgot to fill up gas the night before. My, I have to push That's the my, worst feeling, I have to push it? my car to the gas station, God. fill it up. Like, like, everything that goes wrong has gone wrong. And it just goes more of, like, changing my perspective on what constitutes a good day. There's been times in my life where my goal... And my perspective of a good day was if I just continued to breathe. Like as basic of a human function as I could get where it's like I've been to that point where I've been so like sad and and beaten that it's like 
if I can just breathe throughout the day, today is a good day. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that's where that like like I was happy because I was able to complete that task of breathing the entire day. I didn't eat. I didn't drink. Like, like I did nothing else but breathe. Like that was my goal for the day. Yeah. You know, and that's something that Monique's mom taught me a long time ago is like set these small tasks. And when you accomplish these tasks, it's been a good day. So for me, it was like, you know, getting up and going to school, getting up and going to work, getting up and, and accomplishing these things was so hard that I physically couldn't do it. Uh-huh. So instead of knowing that I'm in the dumps and continuing to beat myself, I just changed the perspective of being like, today's goal is to breathe. That's it. If I can just continue breathing all day, solid. Yeah. Tomorrow yeah. will be better. Yeah. You know, so for me, it's really just more of a matter of changing perspective on what that is. You know, mm-hmm. there are days where I write three accounts in one day and, and I do, you know, I PR at the gym and I come home and I cook the best steak of my life. And, you know, all these things are going great. And it's like this was like an awesome day. And at that point, my fucking barometer of a good day can be as high as hell and I'd probably pass it. Mm-hmm. But then I also have days where it's like I wake up and I blow a tire. I get in a car accident and. You, you name it, it happens. It's like, okay, just got to – at least I had the, the credit card to put it all on. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. like it's kind of like that. So, yeah, what about you? Okay. Well, you know, since you asked. I like to find the beauty in everything that I look at. So, I'll, I've been doing this recently, actually. I'll put myself in the slow lane behind the slowest, big-ass truck in the world and just be like, you know what? I'm thankful that I'm able to drive. That's it. And I'll stay behind that truck – the whole way back home or the whole way back to the gym. Like, I, it, I don't know what it is, but the idea of finding that patience and understanding that it's okay to just not do anything. It's okay to just drive and finding that 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 even ground. You know what I mean? It's like when we were going through a lot of shit with the family and we were just having a really hard time, a really rough go a few years ago, We, I would wake up every morning and I'd open my window and I'd be, thank you for this beautiful morning right so you go and you appreciate everything you see i would walk past the same bush back in high school and i go thank you for letting me appreciate how beautiful this bush is doesn't matter but it's a mindset practicing gratitude it's practicing to appreciate everything around you which then makes you happier to be around these things yeah so my appreciation became so high that i was just happy to live I was just happy to be here. And every morning when I wake up, I still have that mindset. It's like, okay, I'm allowed to be sad. It's okay to be sad. And you have your nights and you have your moments. But when you wake up in the morning, it's a new day. You open up those blinds. You look out the window and you go, man, I'm living a beautiful life. And you learn how to appreciate everything around you. And I can't tell you how much I've carried that with me throughout my life now to at the point where I'm at right now where, like, it doesn't take a lot for me to just be happy. It's just just being here appreciating the people that i'm with or appreciating this environment or like just you know being able to lift this much weight at the gym like that these little things are being like man like i'm so happy there's no reason for me to be mad i know i'm going through shit i know shit sucks but at the end of the day like that's not gonna burden me you know what i mean yeah so finding that little appreciation is what taught me how to be happy the thing with both of you though that uh is good that you figured this out is that you've taken your problems and re standardized them so that you could solve them and you are solving them. Some people don't solve them. And the reasons he says that is a mix of two things, which is denial 
and victim mentality. Oh, this is my favorite. This is my favorite part of this chapter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. He brings in his favorite superhero, Disappointment Panda. Do you remember that part? I remember this. So he brings up his oh wait his yes. favorite superhero, Disappointment Panda. He would have a shirt on, his little panda belly would be hanging out. Yeah. And he would walk up to you, and because you won't accept those hard truths about yourself, <laughs> he's just gonna knock on your door and you're just gonna have this cute little panda tell you things about yourself. So some of the examples that he brings up is this. the fact that you have to ask yourself if you trust your wife really means that you don't. And then you would stand there, and he would say, "Have a good day." And he would turn around and he'd walk away. Is that your idea of how a panda sounds? That's just—it's kind of like the voice that he uses in the audiobook. Oh, okay. So to me, the, the panda sounds like the fact that you don't trust yourself that makes me feel like this. Like that's how a panda sounds to me. Oh, the panda could talk, right? Like it's like it's, you're doing a Snorlax kind of thing. It's yeah, it's a little bit Snorlaxy. Anyways, have you ever had a moment where you've had to like? swallow hard truths about yourself and like like really had to like sit with it i have yes it's not easy nope it is not fun Mm -mm. it's hard to think that you are the cause of all of your own problems it's your own fault but it is you yep and it sucks Mm -hmm. and you can you can give all the reasons that you want but there's always a common denominator how are you gonna fix it you yep how you respond how you react. It's all up to you. It really is. Every part that you feel like is wrong with your life is all up to you. If there's somebody else that's bothering you, you don't have to talk to them. If there's something that you need to finish or you need to get done, that's on you. There's nobody else responsible for your actions. But think about the what was your process of being able to handle that statement? Because that's heavy, bro. You think yeah. about that? So especially for somebody who just throws blame out left and but right. I think for some reason, I don't know what it is, but at least us three, like we always want to find the best way to improve ourselves. So me facing the bullshit that I know I do on a daily basis that I want to fix every day and I work on fixing every day is a goal. Like it's something that I actually put on my list to be like, yo, you need to stop doing this specific thing. Like figure it out be happier like let this this is going to make you a better person i want to be the best person i can be i don't think that ever stops yeah but dude, okay but okay maybe i need to rephrase this but question. that's the concept that i'm going for every day absolutely and and i commend you for that because especially at the age we're at people there are people that never figure this out yeah right like there are people and not, and not that granted everybody always has problems and issues and we all have stuff that we're and all we are not better here. than anybody else no like we're all working on stuff Fuck right that. but do you remember the first time you like thought you're like I might actually be the fucking problem here? Like I'm kind of a dick. Yeah. 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 Remember that? Yeah. That's a hard pill to swallow, man. I Especially think. when you come from a household like us, where it's like, mom w- fought tooth and nail for us. Yeah. Granted, we were held accountable. Like in public, they defended us, but in private, they held us accountable for everything, right? But also at the same time, it's like. You know, you grow up being told, you know, you're the best and nothing's ever wrong. And, oh, don't worry, sweetheart. It's their fault. It's not you. It's not you. Like, that that tends to, to play into your development as a human. Yeah. You know? And then when you have that moment where you're like, no, maybe maybe it is me. I have the same factor. I have the same – this reoccurring event happens, but the person that it happens with or to is just changing – 
right? It's kind of like I'm flipping through a picture book, but the picture never changes, just the images in the back, like just the person, you know, and that's hard for anybody. Yeah, it's a hard pill to swallow for sure. But all of this asks the question is is revolved around achieving happiness. And I and that's like the question that he says is the most pointless question is when people say, what do you want out of life? Because everyone says, I want to be happy. And it's like, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. Uh, yeah. Like but, that's like a common, there's, that's a base assumption we can all make. Yes. And he says, the question people should be asking, I have two favorite philosophies, theories in this book. This is one of them. Instead of asking about like, what do you want out of life to be happy? The question should be, what pain do you want in your life? What are you willing to struggle for? And I, that was like one of the biggest, Matt said it, mind shifts for me, perspective shifts pain. in looking at what goals you should be setting for yourselves. Because I think that comes to a point where we all think about things that we want. Everybody wants to be a millionaire. Everybody wants a lot of money. Okay. Everybody, like it, when if you're involved in a sport, you probably want to be the top in your sport. Yes. But are you willing to struggle for that? Are you willing to sacrifice what it takes to get there? So let's say, you know, for instance, you want to make X amount of dollars. You want to be a millionaire. Are you willing to struggle and sacrifice the weekends, the hours, the parties, the dinner dates, and all of that stuff that takes for you to achieve that? Yeah. You know, that, that that's a question you have to ask yourself because that's really what it comes down to. Because the people that stand the test of time are the people that I think understand the struggle and the long road that comes along with success whatever that term means for you but and i think that's also where when you see people be like oh my god you were an overnight success you popped out of nowhere like, you see everybody kind of give you this look like fuck you i put i grinded like it worked. like you didn't see my hours that i just put in the fucking dark ass room you didn't see these 40 fucking episodes we just fucking did you know yeah and it's pretty much yeah like like you didn't see the beginning you didn't you weren't there when i couldn't figure out the most simple of things yeah you know when i had to google shit when i had to call people and ask when i when everything got ruined like you weren't there for that and now you want to call me an overnight success but at the end of the day, if you're willing to struggle for something, I think it really shifts the perspective. Doesn't that, like, even for somebody to say that, like, yeah, that's frustrating, but also you can't let it get to you to that point where it's like, I don't care what you think. Like, I know what I accomplished. And I think for the for, for most people, at least for me, I don't know. For me, it's like, it's so much more satisfying if I work for it. Like, if I if I grind and I work and I'm like, like what I did for school, like the most satisfying thing was studying all these fucking flashcards for this like little little test that I took and I got top of the class for it and over the whole overall class. And I was like, I I worked for that. Yeah. You know, I had to learn every term and like everything and I worked for it. And that was the most satisfying thing to me. It made me want to do more. Right. So that's the idea. I have. So, okay. It's like the sacrifice is worth it. Yeah. So it's definitely worth it. And it's not and I, this might be a little off topic, I guess. But so so the way that I can put this is right now at work, there's some people that, you know, they'll ask me to help them with some marketing stuff. They'll ask me to help them with, you know, composing an email, which is just copywriting, which Dalton can attest. 
I study that shit for hours. I have I have multiple fucking books you in know, my room. I, I'll give you that. You do watch a lot of YouTube videos. I I'll it. allow it. I'll allow it. Right. So, but what what irritates me is this: is people will come to me and because I have a marketing degree, they'll tell me they'll be like, "Oh, here, do this really quick. You went to school for this shit. You understand this." It pisses me off because nothing I learned in school do I really use today. Very few things do I actually use. Mm. And every time they say that, I think of all of the hours that I have spent sitting in front of a computer screen, watching videos, all of the words and books that I have read that have culminated into something that I am able to effortlessly do. Maybe not effortlessly, but like easily do, right? You'll feel that when you you get your first job and someone's like, hey, get this done real quick. You went to school for this or you got your certificate. Yeah. And it's like, no, you'll think of every flashcard you read. You'll think of all of these hours that you put into to develop your craft that you have to get where you're at. And it's like for somebody to say that is kind of disrespectful. But at the same time, they're asking you because they can't do it any better. So Uh it's like they really don't understand. And they're not willing to put the time in. Yeah. Yeah, Is really what it comes down to, you know. But also, we we could be victim to that too. We could, we could be the culprits. Like, be like, oh, like you you know how to do this. Like, just do it. Like David, just edit this podcast real quick. Yeah, David, like just fucking do it. Like, we don't know what the work David puts into it every day. It seems like David doesn't do much, but like honestly, he might be doing something. I feel like David's anomaly. I feel like he really doesn't. I think David sends this to Rachel, and Rachel edits this shit out. It's kind of like stitching. You got to stitch some things together. She probably loves it. It's not even that hard, honestly. Just throw some cloth on top of the keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel's all about it. <laughs> so the example he uses that is a common one. A lot of so he for a lot of his life wanted to be a rock star. He would imagine himself Fucking in the vibe, arena, yeah. guitar solo, got all these screaming fans in front of him. Mm-hmm. That's all he would picture himself. Of course, he wasn't getting there. It took him half his life to finally realize that's not what he wanted. I could connect to that so hard. He oh, wanted the end result, but he mm-hmm. didn't want to put in the hours, to learn the guitar, learning the instrument, finding singing, a band, finding, the band. finding gigs, writing songs, getting a manager, touring the little shitty bars for two, three years before getting signed, making that whole journey, that whole struggle up to the arena. Yeah. But did you ever have something that you did that was like, uh, I, want I think it so it's so bad, but like, I don't want it that bad. I think it's akin to why people want to win the lottery so much. Because you get to that end result without having to struggle at all. Yeah. I don't know how satisfying that could ever feel. I don't under I don't get it. Like You're telling I, me I, if I gave you twelve million dollars right now, you wouldn't be happy. I would take it, but I'd be like, fuck, what do I need to spend this on? But if I gave you twelve million dollars now versus telling you, hey, if you shovel this poop for eight hours a day for the next five years, I will guaranteed give you twelve million dollars at the end of it. You would not. You would rather do that than just give the twelve million right now. Nah, I'd probably take the twelve million right now. Exactly. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's no, why people learn the lottery, right? Like he talks about it. Like our our physiology, like just as the way we've evolved, the way that we have our emotions, everything is meant to avoid struggle. We're wired for complacency. We're wired for ease. It's the few that are willing to put that human nature and flip it and be like, no, that's not okay. I'm going to seek uncomfortability every single day. 
Like, those are the people that make it, you know? And granted, there's a lot of shit that has to go fall into place, and, and, you know, you have to be willing to push through all of that. But I just think that trying to find the joy in the struggle is important, and I think that having that dream and that vision, whatever that looks like, like, it makes the struggle easier, slightly. Yeah, yeah, I can agree with that. I'm at that point, too, right now. It's kind of hard. Like, I'm not, I'm not into the class that I'm working for, but I know the end goal. And I know the money, and I know that like the and that's what you're willing to struggle for. Yeah, I'm willing to struggle and to have wrong a with good that career at all. Struggle for money, hell yeah, go for it. Doesn't mean I'm not going to start my own art studio later on, but that's just in the future. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong. I mean, I think a lot about um, dads. So my father was in this band called the Rock Knockers, <laughs> and they rocked, man. They they were good. They were good. They were good. They, were good. they played at a cool little trade show, and um, they did a biker show. Biker show. You know, they got around, and the drummer of the band was super, super good. Like, he's on some platinum records, like, top-of-the-line drummer, right? He stopped playing the drums in high school. He got really into it in middle school, stopped in high school, and his dad came to him because he knew he had a gift, and he was like, hey, like, why aren't you playing anymore? And he said, Dad, I'm not going to have high school forever. I just want to enjoy the time that I have right now, and then I'll pick it up later. And he did. Right, and like because the, guy with the dinosaur hands, he put that on the back burner because the struggle wasn't worth it to him at that time. And it's not that he took his eyes off of the goal; he just understood that there was going to be, you know, a detour at the time. I don't know if I connected that, but that's kind of where I was going. So that was the end of the chapter. And with that, we're done with chapter two. Didn't make sense. of book club. And so we're going to move on to another segment. This one is: Is it canon, bro? And this is a segment where we ask ourselves if some type of supernatural phenomena exists in the canon of our reality. And today's topic for the eighth time in a row is time, time travel. travel. <laughs> no, today's topic is the idea that we only use 10% of our brains. And I'm totally cool with that. Ninety percent of our brains that are unlocked, that are Imagine locked up and restricted, and if we could access those parts of our brains, we could levitate. Limits are unknown, like limitless. You take that pill. If I could study, like how they did in Limitless, if I could, like if there was like that specific pill it's called Adderall. I mean, I do know somebody who gave me some Adderall, but I don't want to take it right now. It's crazy. Do you think it would help? Um, Honestly. Is it extended release or regular? Why don't we address the question? Nah. Well, I had a cartel thing. We'll talk about this later. Okay. But yes, I think that it'd be dope to have like even 25% of your brain. I heard it like it's like we only contain so much because we don't have enough. But like, do we really want to have that much? Can you imagine how fast you can overthink things? And then think about your future upon your future upon your future upon your future because you have so much fast thinking that you could just be like. But would you or would you understand logic enough to be able to be like, okay, no, that's a stretch. That's a stretch. That's probable. Would you be smarter or would you be stupid? I'd like to think I'd be smarter. Think about it. Think so about you, it because- you, you just think that like having access to any more of your brain because you have anxiety and, and deal with that on a daily basis is just more anxiety. Yeah. You don't think it's more logic, reasoning, 
I think that like, build, like serotonin, like things yeah, that are, okay. are, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like why are why are you so quick? Nicotine probably be so much more addictive. Think about that. Yeah, do you become more susceptible to a, addictive? Oh, chemicals? completely. I'd be a drug addict for because sure. That, so, so then, if you take nicotine, does it only affect the ten percent that you use, or does it affect more than that? It has to. Which is why stuff becomes more so addictive. That's true because I know. So you're saying that addiction is accessing beyond that 10% because, that we use. Because even if it's not active, it still has to react to certain things where our consciousness just but, isn't able to access it. And think so about then it. if you use nicotine or some yeah, type of chemicals, yeah, that's yeah. why it becomes so addictive because it's allowing us to feel the other 90%. And imagine, imagine if you could not even need nicotine to do it. You just know how to react and you know how to use and your like body and that to chemical? produce that. Yeah. To produce that specific chemical so you feel that high Every fucking time. Whenever you walk around, you, you have that high. If I had that high all the time, fuck, dude. That but, nicotine high is different. But at some point, would you need to... That'd be the new normal. S- would you need to supplement something to get more? Yeah. that's it. Just Drugs just get more intense. It doesn't get easier to not take drugs. You just want more drugs to feel more of it. So I think drugs become a problem. I think people get too smart for their own good. And I think there is a sense of that. Like people are sometimes people can be too smart for their own fucking good. I think social cues, understanding how to how to communicate, all these little things that we can do now because we have to because we're not smart enough to know what you're thinking. But if we are, then why am I gonna fucking talk to you if you're not gonna like me in ten minutes from now because I'm gonna say this certain thing that I know you won't like because I've already thought about it thirty times. So you think that when people think about using the rest of your brain, they think about all the positives of it. I think it ruins society. Hmm. completely i think we figure out that relationships aren't shit so then you you take out the need for other people yeah you become so self-reliant and self-independent that you're like why why do i need this person why do we need other people like but then i could argue that you would also human instinct yeah but i feel like you would also understand the need of it for your physiology yes and the fact that like our human instincts are to have another person with us but also, think of the times we're in. Like, not back then. Now, we have, like, people who want to be independent, people that want to be successful on their own, people that want to do their own thing without having people on their ass, right? Marriage is at, like, an all-time low. Like, people don't get married anymore. That's not a thing. Like, it's gone down significantly. And then having babies is a whole different thing. People are, like, learning that, like, oh, I can't support a family. Why am I going to have any? But then you, people think get that the logic just, would, you think the logic would just take you to an area of the world where you can. But it depends on that person. That person can be specifically thinking like, okay, where I'm at right now is where I want to be for the rest of my life. You can be so sure of something at that point because you've thought it through millions of times. So you've gone through every scenario. You're like, no, obviously me being alone is cool right now. It'll be cool for a while. So you're just alone. But that's less time. That's more you age, less babies, less marriage. I think a lot of our society changes if we all have 100%. You know, that's an interesting point because I feel like when people think about using their whole brain or even more of it, we automatically assume that it would be non-detrimental to our life and we would automatically become everything that we wanted to be. We'd be more productive. We'd be more successful. We'd be more logical. But we're emotional beings. And I don't know if using more of our brain, I would like to think it would go to be like, you know, I'd be a supercomputer and be able to figure out problems just like at the snap of a finger. But, you know, it's 
also incredibly likely that I use the other side of my brain that, you know, my anxiety does get worse and, and depression becomes a problem and, and all these other aspects of my life. It doesn't necessarily have to be good. Yeah. And then you got to think about those people that are like, they have like legit anxiety or legit depression. Like, does that get worse or does that get better? Like if they have that specific chemical that's overly produced, right? So then what happens then? Are they just become the most depressed people in the world? Do you think they just go straight to killing themselves? You think if there's a chemical it? imbalance that that chemical imbalance is only increased? Yeah. With more access to the brain, you or don't think you don't think it's a or you don't think it's balanced? No, no, no. It's, I think it's a mindset. I think, I think if you have that chemical that makes you depressed or makes you have more anxiety, I think that becomes produced more when you have 100% of your brain because you're still having those same thoughts. You as a person doesn't, you don't really change. You just are smarter if you allow it or dumber if you allow it, right? But the same way that you talked about being able to produce more nicotine. Right, right. Also, would, I would, con- I'm would, contradicting myself, exactly. So, so would you be able to understand, and I know this is a hot topic, but when I had to take my anxiety and depression meds, for me, the way it was explained to me and what was true for me was that like there was a chemical imbalance in my brain. And when I and basically I wasn't able my brain wasn't able to produce the happy drug. So I took these pills for about mm. six months. I've been absolutely fine ever since. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Granted, environment has a lot to do with it. Circumstance has a lot to do with it. People. And so it that that's not true for everybody. And I recognize that and I honor that and I respect that. Right. But if we take this idea of like chemicals in our brains are the way affect the way that we feel, would we be able to be more logical to understand what's going on? And the same way you produce more nicotine, would I be able to produce more, you know, whatever the happy drug is, dopamine, dopamine to be able to balance out my serotonin, yeah. right? With that, is that possible now? But then what if being so happy is the new normal and you have this hallucinogenic drug basically you can produce in your mind where you can connect a bunch of things with different chemicals and now your high has to be higher because you are so happy and everybody wants to be so happy in life that it's like a you you're blind to the society and to real life you're blind to the things of people because you know no matter what if we can all be 100 percent, there's still people that won't be able to a, a, like achieve that you know, it in the world, people will be born. They might not be able to have, you know, 50% of their brain. They only have 10% like normal people did, right, back then. So then you got to think, okay, are we living in a place? There's a, there's a video game called The Happy Few or Happy Days. We Happy Few. We Happy Few. And it's basically these people that can that take this drug and it makes them happy, but it blinds them to everything else, right? It blinds them to all the sadness and all the anger and depression and poverty. But they're just so happy that they just can live a life happily, right? But when they get off of that drug, they see the realness, and it's scary. So what if there's that point where there's also a change in the way people live, where you have people that are only 100%ers, you have people that are 50%ers, which is like middle class, and then you have people that are 10%ers, which is just lower class now. So instead of it being money, it's how smart are you? Do you have 100%? You could live here. You have 50%? You could live here. 10%? Why did you automatically assume capitalism was going to come into play here? Because it's just how the world works. Look not, at it. Not everywhere. Mm, maybe not here. But I'm just saying, if it's if <laughs> like if you're in a certain no, area, capitalism is a thousand percent here. That's what our country is built on. But I'm saying it's like that's that's how it's going to be used. So what about the more supernatural aspects of it? Do you think 
if we only use 10% and we open that 90%, do you think we're going to get abilities like telepathy or mind reading or flight or clairvoyance or stuff like that? I don't think it affects physics in any way. I think it's something you're smarter. I, don't, I think it makes people smarter. I think you can start flying in a car or shit like that, but I don't, I don't think you can fly yourself. I don't know how that would make sense because that's like a whole physics thing, right? Unless you, you can put you, stuff you, on your body. Because everything is molecules moving at a fast enough pace to be a solid, a liquid, mm-hmm, whatever, mm-hmm. right? So does that mean that you know how to manipulate those things now? Yeah. Because if you do then I do believe you can fly. Yeah. Because then you can use the air molecules to like push you up or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I have no I idea. I just feel like it's like a physics thing. Like, yeah, you can figure it out and you can use tools to help you achieve that goal. But I don't think you could do it on your own. Yeah. What about like mind reading? I feel like that could definitely be a thing. You think so? I don't. Maybe not mind reading, but just being so smart that you understand every reaction and you see it all beforehand. So you're like, if I have this interaction with somebody while you're talking to them, you're like, oh, that wasn't good. Here's every situation scenario that's going to come out of what I just said. And you think it all in a second and you're already out of the conversation. You're like, you know what? I'm sorry I said that. Mm. That's what I'm saying. There's no more communication. That's all gone. It's all gone. Society is fucked. But I do think we move to Mars or we move to the moon or we move to like any place. We have this whole space thing. I think we completely leave Earth. Everybody, at least all the hundred percenters, leave Earth. You see what I mean? Like hundred percenters are so smart, they're gonna take themselves. Be like, you know what? We are the sup- chosen ones. The chosen ones. Yeah. Superior beings. So we're gonna leave these fifty percenters and ten percenters and so on and so forth on Earth. They could grind that's and boring, do the work. Though. You know everything. That's so boring. Right? Oh yeah. I would love not to know shit. But then you have like a whole Star Wars thing that's going that's on. Where the, that's where the, the idea of ignorance is bliss comes in. You know. But I, I think the unknown is like, as much as I hate it sometimes, it, it, that is where the fun lies. It's just a full world of com- community college teachers coming into oh, play. Oh, yeah, just using <laughs> fucking giant words and shit. Yeah. So, is it canon that we only use 10% of our brain? I think so. I think that's what science says. I mean, well, the question quickly changed from, do we only use 10% of our brains to... Yes, we do. What happens if we access the other ninety <laughs> percent? Yeah, it's a, that is what yeah, it's changed to really. That quick. is true. So, um, so it's crazy though, right? So the yes. assumption was yes from it's both canon. of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But nice. can you think about that? Like how fucked we would be. Like, in your mind, do you think that we get fucked, or do you think that we help everybody and we find world peace? I'd like to think that we would be able to bring a product to this world for everybody to be able to cover their backs. That would just make them happy. And solve world hunger. And and every time they look down at their shirt, they'd smile. You know why? Why? Because they'd see our merch. Everybody, we got a big announcement. A big announcement here at episode forty. We got merch. All right, you guys. If you saw around Christmas time, the shirts that David surprised us with, minus the giant baby pictures of us on the back, will be coming in. We're gonna place an order, but. We need pre-order. So what we're going to need from you is your name, your size, yep. male or female, yep. and your address, guys. So hook us up with all information in our DMs and let us know. Send us on the DMs in Instagram and we will get the pre-ordered and give us a couple weeks to get that over to you guys. About, about two weeks, but give us some leeway. This is our first time doing this. 
We will be taking orders until the 22nd of August in 2020. Uh, each shirt will cost $20, so go ahead and send us all the information that Dalton said previously, and we will make sure we get them shipped to you guys with a handwritten note from Dalton Drum, and hopefully you guys can read it. Again, uh, guys, I have terrible handwriting, but remember, name, date, address, I'm bust. <laughs> what else is it? You can see the design on Instagram right now. When you listen to this episode, there'll be a picture up and you can check it out. Like being modeled by our brilliant boys. I'm a big boy. <laughs> All right. You've made it this far into the podcast and you ordered a shirt. Thank you so much. We really do appreciate your time. Um, and Thank you for listening to all 40 of these motherfucking episodes. Yeah. I know we uh, talk a lot of shit. And I know we have been uh, working on how we talk and how we figure our shit out. I, I literally have been doing speaking exercises all week. That's good. You sound better. You don't Do sound I? like a dumbass anymore. Yeah. Hell yeah. Good job. Uh, and thank you for those of you that made it past week three. We really do appreciate you. It's To this day, it's David's biggest mistake. Thank you, Simps. <laughs> thank you, Simps. <laughs> and as always, go ahead and leave us a five-star rating and a review wherever you are listening to this. A drum podcast follow us on all of our social media platforms at drum podcast and until next week Mm -mm -mm. have a great week you guys i'm drum and i'm drummer we'll see you then Bye. bye